0: Um, I'm going to share a, a few thoughts with you today on this thought. Exchanging bronze for gold. Imagine, ladies, you have a a gold wedding ring and you show up to the jeweler and say, I want to trade you. I'm going to give you this gold wedding ring. I want a bronze one. Right? That doesn't make any sense, does it? But we're going to unpack it. See, um, think about... Those, those moments with God. In Revelation chapter 2, God says this He goes, I remember when you loved me. I remember. He goes, but, but it's not like that anymore. And at some point, oftentimes we exchange gold for bronze, something sweet with God for something cheap that the world offers, but it's not with intention. It's not on purpose. It just kind of happens without us realizing it. You know, when, um, when I first gave my, my life to the Lord, uh, I was a preacher's kid, but I was, I was five years old when I did it for real. Uh, I was laying in bed one night, and I'll never forget, um, when I got put to bed, I'd spend the first 30 or 45 minutes in the bed playing right playing with my toys playing around and i had this little doll curious george it's my favorite doll and every single night we him and i together would fight every single doll in my room every single night i still have curious george he's only got one eye he's been through battles He's, in fact, when, uh, when after our honeymoon, my wife came. It was our first time in the bed together, and she was getting in, and I was like, Hold on, George goes here. <laughs> True story. Um, but our, as a kid, 45 minutes into it, I was just doing my routine, and then I'll, I'll fall asleep. But I remember having this moment of, of revelation. Where everything my dad had told me, all of a sudden it became real. Yeah. And, and now I'm going to put it in scriptural words. I'm going to put it in a scripture, but as a five year old, I didn't think this way. But in scripture, in, Reve- in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says that God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. And we must believe in order to be right with God, we must believe that Jesus presented himself yes. as a sacrifice for our sin with the shedding of his blood. And as a five-year-old, I didn't know that scripture, but it just I just knew I was just I started crying. Yeah. I started crying in my bed, I had tears going in my ears. And, and I remember telling God, I want to give you something to say thank you." And I said, but I don't, there's nothing in this room that I own. And I knew that because my dad reminded me often. He's like, you own nothing. You have brought nothing to this family. Nothing. I own it all and I'm letting you use it. And so if you don't let your brothers play with you, I'm going to take it away. I'm like, okay. So I'm telling the Lord, I don't own anything. I don't have anything to say thank you. But... I'm going to give you me. I'm going to give you me for the rest of my life. I'm going to give you me. See, some of you know very well that moment. Raise your hand if you remember that moment that you you gave God your life. And then all of a sudden there's this digression. We go from being super excited about the things of God, passionate about the things of God, and then all of a sudden your first prayer doesn't get answered. I remember the first time God didn't answer my prayer. It it may not have been the first time, it's just the first time that I remember. I'm 40 years old, it's the first one I remember. Uh, I didn't grow up in an affluent household or neighborhood. I grew up on the east side of Houston and I was embarrassed to bring my friends to the house. And my, my mom and dad put an offering on this house around the corner and it was a brick house and I went there in the middle of the day. I rode my bike over there and I laid my hands on the bricks. And I said, dear God, please let us get this house. Well, I was only nine or ten years old. My dad didn't let me know what was going on, but I know we didn't get the house. We never moved in. And that was the beginning. Oh, wow, God says no sometimes. <laughs> and then there's other times where he said no. Lana Many of you that have been to church here for a long time know the story I'm about to tell. 31 years old in our church, single mother, precious daughter named Hallie, 12 years old. She gets lung cancer. She's never smoked a cigarette in her life. And I begged God, please, not her. She died. So when you get these lists of moments where you didn't get what you want, And all of a sudden, your passion goes from, I will give you me, to, wow. And then what ends up happening is you just start going through the motions now. Because you don't want to go to hell, so you're going to keep on coming to church, right? But the passion level... It's like somebody put a wet blanket over the passion, and then there's certain prayers you don't even want to pray anymore because you don't want to be disappointed, so don't even ask. Just believe in Him. Make sure you get to heaven, but don't ask for anything because you don't want to be disappointed. Am I talking to anybody or no? Yeah. Is this helping anyone? And so we go through these, the, the motions, and we begin to replace passion with routine. You know, there's... A, a, uh, there's a story in the Bible in 2 Chronicles chapter 12 where Solomon was the king of Israel and God blessed him, gave him so much provision, so many promises. They had a close relationship and they, they were so blessed that Solomon had all of his army, thousands of men. Their shields were made of gold and when they would go to battle, the theologians tell us that they would all stand together and hold their shield up and the sunlight would hit their shield and it would blind the people that they were fighting and then they would charge them and they'd be victorious. But after Solomon, there was another king, another man stepped in named Rehoboam. And the Bible says this, that Rehoboam was firmly established and strong, but he abandoned the law of the Lord. And all of Israel followed him in this. I see it all the time. It starts with one of the parents, and then it trickles to the kids. It's just the parent is no longer passionate. The parent is no longer on fire. And then you look at the family, and the family follows suit. Uh, there, there used to be a day where the church owned Sundays. Nobody jacked with Sundays. Now the NFL owns Sundays. Sports own Sundays. Nobody. Now it's like, hey, the church used to own it. Now we own it. We'll let you borrow two a year, Easter and Christmas, but we own the rest. Well, I will tell you, when a parent believes that, the kids believe that, the grandchildren believe, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And that's a digression. In the New Testament, they went to church twice a day, and then they went to each other's house and had communion but generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation generation, we have ended up with twice a month see how that just goes down 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 rehoboam crossed; the all of israel followed him they broke the laws of god they didn't care about the laws of god and god said okay you know what you've been in a season of grace long enough nothing bad has happened but but now the season of grace is expired I see it all the time. Happy families, happy marriages. They stop coming to church. All of a sudden, they're not happy. They come running back to church and say, God, fix us. And he will. But it's amazing to me because you can always trace it back to the NFL, right? You can always trace it back. You can always trace it back on the Sunday that they said it's no longer God's. You can trace it right back to that day. It happens every single time. And so God said, look, I'm going to allow it i'm going to allow egypt to come in and they're going to overtake you and egypt came in and not only did they overtake them but they stormed the treasury and they began to steal and they stole all the shields well rehoboam knew that if the people found out that the shields of gold were stolen the morale would sink but he doesn't have any more gold And so he said, Quickly, 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 start making new shields and make them out of bronze. Nobody will be able to tell the difference. And so they'd stand there at war and they would hold up their bronze shields. They'd let the sun shine off. And they'd cross their fingers and hope that nobody found out. But they knew. They knew. They were faking something that they used to have that they don't have anymore. Oh man, it's a, it's a scary feeling to know that the passion you used to have is gone. It's a, it, I, I've been there. Trust me, I've been there. If you're there right now, I know exactly what it feels like. You, you, feel, you feel like a, a, a wounded reed, and you're just praying that the gust of wind doesn't blow too hard because the, it, you can't handle that. You can't handle one more push. You've been holding strong the best you can because you are all alone. You cannot take one more push. The Spirit of God comes in, and He says this, he goes, if you draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. We don't have to replace a relationship with God. We don't have to substitute a shield of gold for a shield of bronze. We don't have to. We just have to have enough grit. We have to have enough fight to back up and say, even if all my prayers don't get answered, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you, God. That's an attitude that makes hell tremble and heaven stand at attention. That's, that's for the few and far between. You know, I'll, 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 sh- I'll share this last thought with you before I, I share my closing thought. You know, for those of you that have ever heard me speak before, I got seven closes before <laughs> we actually close. Yosemite National Park had a, uh, a spectacle that was annual. It was called the firefall. Um, and what they would do is, is they would plow all the dead trees to the edge of this waterfall once a year. Push them, all the trees, all the limbs that died once a year, they'd push them to the edge of this waterfall and everyone knew if you if you like Yellowstone and people that follow those parks, Yellowstone and Yosemite and enjoy the outdoors, they all knew that this was a big event, and so they 'd show up once a year for the firefall, and they 'd light it on fire and they 'd push let me show you a picture of it they 'd push these these dead trees with a bulldozer into the waterfall and um And that's the way it would look. And I've got another picture for you. It looks like that. And all the people, right when they would push it, they would all shout out in unison, let the fire fall! (laughs) And down it would come. I read about this gentleman who showed up to Yosemite and he was trying to find out when the fire fell. And so uh, he found a park ranger and he asked me, he says, hey, I want to come when the fire falls. When do I come? And the park ranger looked at him and said, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. The fire doesn't fall here anymore. Oh, that makes my heart tremble. Because how many churches, if they were honest, they would say, we got a cool sound system and a cool website, but the fire doesn't fall here anymore. I show up to church once a month, but there's no fire in my bones. There's no lightning in my veins. I just want to tell you, you are always as close to God as you want to be. That's right. Amen. You are always a whisper away from being intimate with the creator of the world. I know that first word, getting out of your mouth, it just seems like it's so hard to get out. But that one word, bang, it just breaks the dam. You know, this is the last time I'm going to warn you on this because he's coming next weekend. But... Hey, if anyone if anyone leaves the church next week and they're like, "Oh my gosh," I'm gonna be like, "Don't don't blame me." I warned you for three weeks. Warned you for three weeks. Um, I have a friend of mine. He's got a prophetic anointing, and I, I pursue him, and I have a, a a weekly or a biweekly meeting with him. And he got on the phone with me last week, and he says, "Hey, look, I don't know um, what you guys have to do." to have a guest speaker. I don't know if you have to run it by a church board or what, but um, I had a dream that Randy Clark came to your church, and I'd like for you to pray about him coming, because when he came, something awesome happened. And I said, well, um, (laughs) oddly enough, he's coming in like 14 days. (laughs) We've already bought the plane ticket. We've booked the hotel. He's coming. And he goes, wow, because that's going to be a special weekend. On on Saturday, night, on Saturday night at 6 o'clock and Sunday night at 6 o'clock, we've told him, you can do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you want to do. And when he shows up, people get healed. The fire falls. People cry. People get emotional. And if that kind of freaks you out, I'm just going to say it. Please don't come. <laughs> Please don't come. Come Sunday morning. Come Sunday morning. You'll hear him speak. He's going to give a great message. It's going to encourage you. It's going to motivate you. But he's going to be on a clock. we got a next service. He cannot flex. But Saturday night and Sunday night, you have been warned, okay? (laughs) If that is not for you, don't come. But I find it more than coincidence that he's coming in the season that we're in. In the past... 45 days or 50 days we've experienced a little over 40 miracles and uh, I know testimonies encourage you and so I'd like for two people to come on up I don't think they've known each other prior to today um, but I'd like for Fran to come on up and Desiree to come on up and share their story Um, uh, they're a little bit nervous so make them feel comfortable would you put your hands together for that All right, Fran, hold it real close to your mouth and, and uh, tell everybody your story. Come close to me.
1: Hi, my name is Franz. Um, uh, one day um, I woke up with a chest pain, like a rib pain here, and uh, asked my wife, since I'm married to a therapist, hey, I said, hi, hey, now um, I have a pain here. And she said, "Take an aspirin, but stubborn me. I, I didn't you know, take the aspirin. I said, uh, I'm just going to macho this through, through the week, but it was bothering me this area like four or five days so every sunday pretty much i usher at 11 o'clock service so when pastor frankie said um if you need prayers or healing come to the stage anybody could help you so i said no nah, i'm shy i'm not gonna go but all of a sudden he said i, I could f-, he said he could feel something like i need a person to come in the stage who has a pain and i was like oh my god that's me so I was like, oh my God, he's calling me. So I went to the stage, but I was shy again, so I back off. So when he got off the stage, I caught him off guard. I said, Pastor Frankie, I'm the guy that you called for the stage for the rib pain. I said, um, can you pray for me? He said, sure, sure, he prayed. So he, he hold me like this, and he touched my rib pain in the right. And I felt warm, and I was lost for a few minutes, and then he said, you know, he went outside the building and I went home. You know. When I got home, all of a sudden I feel better. So I said, thank you, Lord. I was really healed. You know, I took leap of faith. And I said, thank you, thank you so much. So I said, you know, I'm going to tell Pastor Frankie. So after a week in the parking lot, I saw him. I caught, caught him off guard. I said, Pastor Frankie, sorry I caught you off guard. But, you know, man, I really appreciate for praying for me. The Holy Spirit came through you. God helped me through you. And I thought him you the real thing. And God is real. And I said, you know, thank you so much. And he said, are you ready to come on stage? I said, yeah, I'm sure, sure. But God is real. And Pastor Frankie helped me so much. I just want to share it with you guys. That's, I hope that encourages you. Thank you. That's right.
2: Um, I have two physical healings that have happened. December, uh, Pastor Frankie called someone for elbow pain and um, came up and he prayed with me and uh, it took a little bit (laughs) Uh, but it's it had lessened and lessened as time went on and now there's absolutely no pain Um, about three weeks ago during the Sunday service, he was very very specific and uh, he said someone with shoulder pain in their right shoulder and I wasn't going to come up Dale, (laughs) kind of like Fran, Uh, Dale, my husband said, aren't you going to go up and get prayed for? And I was like, sure. Just kind of flipping, I guess. (laughs) And, uh, so he, Dale came up with me and pastor Frankie came over and, uh, I told him it's my, my mom with the right shoulder pain. And I told him exactly where it was in the middle, underneath my shoulder blade. And he said, that is exactly, that's where I saw it. And uh, so he laid his hands on me, prayed, prayed three times. After the second time, uh, he started talking with me, and Dale moved his hand off my back, and he was just standing behind, praying uh, silently. And um, Pastor Frankie said, "Okay, I'm going to pray for you again." And uh, I remember he said, "Don't pray. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm praying for you." And I'm okay. <laughs> and so. The beginning of the third prayer, Dale put his hand back on, on my back, and I didn't know until we left. But he said, Desiree, your back was on fire. It was just hot to the touch. And as soon as Pastor Frankie started praying that third time, I just felt like a release, just like a kind of release in that area. And I'm walking in healing.
1: It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful.
0: I'll be there. Let me, let me share a few thoughts. Uh, Fran said that he, he felt warmth. Um, Desiree said she felt like there was this fire on her back. Sometimes that happens. And sometimes the person doesn't get healed until they start walking away. And there's biblical examples of when that happens. Let me say this. Uh, last Sunday, um, I think I I prayed for 30 people. Not all of them were healed. I think there was 10 or 11 that got healed. Not everyone was healed. Um, When you take last Sunday, you take the Sunday before that, all the way back to around the time that the Micah Gamboa incident took place, there's been a little bit over 40 people that have been healed in this church. And you need to hear me say this. You already know this, but you need to hear me say it. I know that people are not getting healed because I'm special. People are getting healed because God is doing something special in this place. Absolutely. Last Sunday during the second service or third service, I can't remember when it was, but We had somebody come up and share a healing testimony of of her eyes. Her eyes were healed. Nobody even prayed for her. Nobody even prayed for her. I love getting emails of people getting healed. We pass it around our staff and we all celebrate. Somebody got healed watching online. They were watching the service online. Trust me, there was no prayer partners at at her house. God is just doing something. I'm not exactly sure what he's doing. Like, some, uh, I went out to eat with a, a member of our church last week, and he says, hey, I just want you to know, um, now that we're in revival, I just want you to know I'm available. And I was like, we're in revival? <laughs> I haven't even heard that word revival in like a decade. Um, but when I was growing up, the term revival meant God is doing something that a man can't do. And when he said that, I just went, we're in re- really? And he goes, well, what else do you want to see happen? Because church is growing. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. What, what do you call revival? And I said, I don't, I don't know. I never really thought about it. I don't know what's happening. But I do know this, that I've craved for a long time to be a part of a church, that it's not just about the singing in the message. Because when you guys show up and you hear my message, the probability of you remembering it, I don't even remember it. When you show up, you show up to have an experience with God. And if, he doesn't, if he's not here, I don't even want to be here. But not only is he here, but he's moving. Yeah. These touching lives. Yeah. Something special is happening. Something special is happening. Would you stand to your...